Part 3 of Ingersoll on Voltaire from the works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume 3, Lecture 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Catherine Phipps. Ingersoll on Voltaire, Part 3, The Morn of Manhood. Voltaire began to think, to doubt, to inquire. He studied the history of the church, of the creed. He found that the religion of his time rested on the inspiration of the scriptures, the infallibility of the church, the dreams of insane hermits, the absurdities of the fathers, the mistakes and falsehoods of saints, the hysteria of nuns, the cunning of priests, and the stupidity of the people. He found that the Emperor Constantine, who lifted Christianity into power, murdered his wife fausta and his eldest son crispus the same year that he convened the council of nice to decide whether christ was a man or the son of god the council decided in the year three twenty five that christ was consubstantial with the father he found that the church was indebted to a husband who assassinated his wife a father who murdered his son for settling the vexed question of the divinity of the saviour he found that Theodosius called a council at Constantinople in 381, by which it was decided that the Holy Ghost proceeded from the Father, that Theodosius the Younger assembled a council at Ephesus in 431 that declared the Virgin Mary to be the Mother of God, that the Emperor Marcion called another council at Chalcedon in 451 that decided that Christ had two wills, that pugnacious called another in six eighty that declared that christ had two natures to go with his two wills and that in twelve seventy four at the council of lyons the important fact was found that the holy ghost proceeded not only from the father but also from the son at the same time so it took about thirteen hundred years to find out a few things that had been revealed by an infinite god to his infallible church Voltaire found that this insane creed had filled the world with cruelty and fear. He found that vestments were more sacred than virtues, that images and crosses, pieces of old bones and bits of wood, were more precious than the rights and lives of men, and that the keepers of these relics were the enemies of the human race. With all the energy of his nature, with every faculty of his mind, he attacked this triumphant beast voltaire was the apostle of common sense he knew that there could have been no primitive or first language from which all other languages had been formed he knew that every language had been influenced by the surroundings of the people he knew that the language of snow and ice was not the language of palm and flower he knew also that there had been no miracle in language he knew that it was impossible that the story of the tower of babel should be true he knew that everything in the whole world had been natural. He was the enemy of alchemy, not only in language, but in science. One passage from him is enough to show his philosophy in this regard. He says, To transmute iron into gold, two things are necessary. First, the annihilation of the iron. Second, the creation of gold. Voltaire gave us the philosophy of history. Voltaire was a man of humour, of good nature of cheerfulness he despised with all his heart the philosophy of calvin the creed of the sombre of the severe of the unnatural he pitied those who needed the aid of religion to be honest to be cheerful he had the courage to enjoy the present and the philosophy to bear what the future might bring 
and yet for more than a hundred and fifty years the christian world has fought this man and has maligned his memory in every christian pulpit his name has been pronounced with scorn and every pulpit has been an arsenal of slander he is one man of whom no orthodox minister has ever told the truth he has been denounced equally by catholics and protestants priests and ministers bishops and exhorters presiding elders and popes have filled the world with slanders with calumnies about voltaire i am amazed that ministers will not or cannot tell the truth about an enemy of the church as a matter of fact for more than one thousand years almost every pulpit has been a mint in which slanders have been coined voltaire made up his mind to destroy the superstition of his time he fought with every weapon that genius could devise or use he was the greatest of all caricaturists and he used this wonderful gift without mercy for pure crystallized wit he had no equal the art of flattery was carried by him to the height of an exact science he knew and practised every subterfuge he fought the army of hypocrisy and pretence the army of faith and falsehood voltaire was annoyed by the meaner and baser spirits of his time by the cringers and crawlers by the fawners and pretenders by those who wished to gain the favour of priests the patronage of nobles sometimes he allowed himself to be annoyed by these wretches sometimes he attacked them and but for these attacks long ago they would have been forgotten in the amber of his genius voltaire preserved these insects these tarantulas these scorpions it is fashionable to say that he was not profound this is because he was not stupid in the presence of absurdity he laughed and was called irreverent he thought god would not damn even a priest for ever this was regarded as blasphemy he endeavoured to prevent christians from murdering each other and did what he could to civilise the disciples of christ had he founded a sect obtained control of some country and burned a few heretics at slow fires he would have won the admiration respect and love of the christian world had he only pretended to believe all the fables of antiquity had he mumbled latin prayers counted beads crossed himself devoured now and then the flesh of god and carried faggots to the feet of philosophy in the name of christ he might have been in heaven this moment enjoying a sight of the damned if he had only adopted the creed of his time if he had asserted that a god of infinite power and mercy had created millions and billions of human beings to suffer eternal pain and all for the sake of his glorious justice that he had given his power of attorney to a cunning and cruel italian pope authorizing him to save the soul of his mistress and send honest wives to hell if he had given to the nostrils of this god the odor of burning flesh the incense of the faggot if he had filled his ears with the shrieks of the tortured the music of the rack he would now be known as saint voltaire for many years this restless man filled europe with the product of his brain essays epigrams epics comedies tragedies histories poems novels representing every phase and every faculty of the human mind at the same time engrossed in business full of speculation making money like a millionaire busy with the gossip of courts and even with the scandals of priests 
at the same time alive to all the discoveries of science and the theories of philosophers and in this babble never forgetting for one moment to assail the monster of superstition sleeping and waking he hated the church with the eyes of argus he watched and with the arms of briarius he struck for sixty years he waged continuous and unrelenting war sometimes in the open field sometimes striking from the hedges of opportunity taking care during all this time to remain independent of all men he was in the highest sense successful he lived like a prince became one of the powers of europe and in him for the first time literature was crowned it has been claimed by the christian critics that voltaire was irreverent that he examined sacred things without solemnity that he refused to remove his shoes in the presence of the burning bush that he smiled at the geology of moses the astronomical ideas of joshua and that the biography of jonah filled him with laughter they say that these stories these sacred impossibilities these inspired falsehoods should be read and studied with a believing mind in humbleness of spirit that they should be examined prayerfully asking god at the same time to give us strength to triumph over the conclusions of our reason these critics imagine that a falsehood can be old enough to be venerable and that to stand covered in its presence is the act of an irreverent scoffer voltaire approached the mythology of the jews precisely as he did the mythology of the greeks and romans or the mythology of the chinese or the iroquois indians there is nothing in this world too sacred to be investigated to be understood the philosopher does not hide secrecy is not the friend of truth no man should be reverent at the expense of his reason nothing should be worshipped until the reason has been convinced that it is worthy of worship against all miracles against all holy superstition against sacred mistakes he shot the arrows of ridicule these arrows winged by fancy sharpened by wit poisoned by truth always reached the centre it is claimed by many that anything the best and holiest can be ridiculed as a matter of fact he who attempts to ridicule the truth ridicules himself he becomes the food of his own laughter the mind of man is many-sided truth must be and is willing to be tested in every way tested by all the senses but in what way can the absurdity of the real presence be answered except by banter by raillery by ridicule by persiflage how are you going to convince a man who believes that when he swallows the sacred wafer he has eaten the entire trinity and that a priest drinking a drop of wine has devoured the infinite how are you to reason with a man who believes that if any of the sacred wafers are left over they should be put in a secure place so that mice should not eat god what effect will logic have upon a religious gentleman who firmly believes that a god of infinite compassion sent two bears to tear thirty or forty children in pieces for laughing at a bald-headed prophet how are such people to be answered how can they be brought to a sense of their absurdity they must feel in their flesh the arrows of ridicule so voltaire has been called a mocker what did he mock he mocked kings that were unjust kings who cared nothing for the sufferings of their subjects he mocked the titled fools of his day he mocked the corruption of courts the meanness the tyranny and the brutality of judges he mocked the absurd and cruel laws the barbarous customs he mocked popes and cardinals and bishops and priests 
and all the hypocrites on the earth. He mocked historians who filled their books with lies and philosophers who defended superstition. He mocked the haters of liberty, the persecutors of their fellow men. He mocked the arrogance, the cruelty, the impudence, and the unspeakable baseness of his time. He has been blamed because he used the weapon of ridicule. Hypocrisy has always hated laughter, and always will. Absurdity detests humour, and stupidity despises wit. Voltaire was the master of ridicule. He ridiculed the absurd, the impossible. He ridiculed the mythologies and the miracles, the stupid lives and lies of the saints. He found pretense and mendacity crowned by credulity. He found the ignorant many controlled by the cunning and cruel few. He found the historian saturated with superstition, filling his volumes with the details of the impossible, and he found the scientists satisfied with, they say. Voltaire had the instinct of the probable. He knew the law of average, the sea level. He had the idea of proportion, and so he ridiculed the mental monstrosities and deformities, the non-secuteurs of his day. Aristotle said women had more teeth than men. This was repeated again and again by the Catholic scientists of the 18th century. Voltaire counted the teeth. The rest were satisfied with, they say. Voltaire, for many years, in spite of his surroundings, in spite of almost universal tyranny and oppression, was a believer in God and what he was pleased to call the religion of nature. He attacked the creed of his time because it was dishonorable to his God. He thought of the deity as a father, as the fountain of justice, intelligence and mercy, and the creed of the Catholic Church made him a monster of cruelty and stupidity. He attacked the Bible with all the weapons at his command. He assailed its geology, its astronomy, its ideas of justice, its laws and customs, its absurd and useless miracles, its foolish wonders, its ignorance on all subjects, its insane prophecies, its cruel threats, and its extravagant promises. At the same time, he praised the God of nature, the God who gives us rain and light and food and flowers and health and happiness, who fills the world with youth and beauty. Attacked on every side, he fought with every weapon that wit, logic, reason, scorn, contempt, laughter, pathos, and indignation could sharpen, form, devise, or use. He often apologized, and the apology was an insult. He often recanted, and the recantation was a thousand times worse than the thing recanted. He took it back by giving more. In the name of eulogy, he flayed his victim. In his praise, there was poison. He often advanced by retreating and asserted by retraction. He did not intend to give priests the satisfaction of seeing him burn or suffer. Upon this very point of recanting, he wrote, They say I must retract. Very willingly, I will declare that Pascal is always right, that if St. Luke and St. Mark contradict one another, it is only another proof of the truth of religion to those who know how to understand such things, and that another lovely proof of religion is that it is unintelligible. I will even avow that all priests are gentle and disinterested, that Jesuits are honest people, that monks are neither proud nor give to intrigue, and that their odour is agreeable, that the Holy Inquisition is the triumph of humanity and tolerance. In a word, I will say all that may be desired of me, provided they leave me in repose, and will not persecute a man who has done harm to none. 
he gave the best years of his wondrous life to succour the oppressed to shield the defenceless to reverse infamous decrees to rescue the innocent to reform the laws of france to do away with torture to soften the hearts of priests to enlighten judges to instruct kings to civilize the people and to banish from the heart of man the love and lust of war you may think that i have said too much that i have placed this man too high let me tell you what goethe the great german said of this man if you wish depth genius imagination taste reason sensibility philosophy elevation originality nature intellect fancy rectitude facility flexibility precision art abundance variety fertility warmth magic charm grace force an eagle sweep of vision vast understanding instruction rich tone excellent urbanity suavity delicacy correctness purity clearness eloquence harmony brilliancy rapidity gaiety pathos sublimity and universality perfection indeed behold voltaire even carlyle that old scotch terrier with the growl of a grizzly bear who attacked shams as i have sometimes thought because he hated rivals was forced to admit that voltaire gave the death-stab to modern superstition it is the duty of every man to destroy the superstitions of his time and yet there are thousands of men and women fathers and mothers who repudiate with their whole hearts the creeds of superstition and still allow their children to be taught these lies they allow their imaginations to be poisoned with the dogma of eternal pain they allow arrogant and ignorant parsons meek and foolish teachers to sow the seeds of barbarism in the minds of their children seeds that will fill their lives with fear and pain nothing can be more important to a human being than to be free and to live without fear it is far better to be a mortal free man than an immortal slave fathers and mothers should do their utmost to make their children free they should teach them to doubt to investigate to inquire and every father and mother should know that by the cradle of every child as by the cradle of the infant hercules crawls the serpent of superstition end of part three the morn of manhood